Yeah, that's like a that's a second grade observation. Why why the churches struggled during COVID or quarantine? It's because it, it never learned how to actually go out and do any anything other than gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that already know how to build, they just keep building, right? Uh, COVID didn't slow down any of the little kingdom cockroaches that already knew how to exist in yeah. that busted a lot up of, world. A lot of them got called essential even. Yeah, totally. The city wouldn't yeah. work if they weren't doing it. No, but but yeah, if you go grow up your whole life and you just go to the Ecclesia uh, to sing three and... That is not the Ecclesia. Take, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not permitting it to be called that. <laughs> But I the mean, sing along club. Learned, like I, I love what you said, John. Literally taking notes. I feel like if if we have not learned, if we did not get discipled from the age of four, that the called out people of God are the workers, the ones that swing the hammers, mm-hmm. uh, especially during hard times. Like that's where we learn how to swing the best. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense that the church does not know what to do right now. Well, welcome to what is uh, the first episode of what we're going to call Gray Pages with uh, with the Brave Cities crew. And I'm here with Taylor and Hugh, Taylor McCall and Hugh Halter, and I'm John Dengler. Um, I'll tell you what, why don't we do a brief round of introductions for folks that don't know who y'all are, and then uh, and then we'll just dive in a little bit and just kind of chat it up. Um, so who, how about start this? With you, who guys. are you and what no, are we start doing with here? you? Start with me. Start with you. All right. Start with me. The so I'm, I'm John. I'm down here in Tampa, Florida. Um, the CEO of a nonprofit called the well, and we are building a little, uh, nonprofit ecosystem of lots of little projects. We have a nonprofit bike shop called well about bikes, some community gardens, a house with some formerly homeless men living in and a handful of other little seedling projects, probably get into some here and there, but, um, we're doing our best to kind of be good neighbors, love our city, build, uh, build enterprises that are themselves good neighbors and throw off value to our community. And, uh, just trying to, I don't know, walk, uh, kind of walk it out, walk out our values more than just talking about them, really trying to flesh them out in our community. And how's that for an intro? Let's, uh, yeah. How did, how did we get connected, John? You know, I'm probably not the one with the best memory here. Yeah, um, I believe, I believe that we got connected. So I was part of a, uh, and part of a, uh, little network family of, what, what they call micro churches and ministries here in our city called um, the underground. And I believe this is how we got connected. So Taylor connected with some folks from the underground, I believe came down for a conference. Was that maybe the first time that we met? And uh, we were, we were kind of connected through this like network of folks um, doing kind of micro church missionary work and um, found a real like affinity with one another that was maybe um distinct from let's say the a lot of the the rest of the crew around us and and became really great friends and have stayed connected since made a lot of visits back and forth and been learning together is that how's that did i is that about right why don't you take it's a swing at fixing right, it yeah. up? almost right fix it up man i'll, I'll segue mm-hmm. uh since just to add a little to that yeah i think it was i mean we connected when i just came down because i heard about you guys we were doing work in ah. birmingham 
Uh, we had moved into downtown Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, trying to see the church kind of grow more as a city within our city. And uh, heard about some guys in, in uh, Tampa, part of this thing called Underground, that were doing something similar. Uh, piqued my interest because I didn't know many people doing anything similar. Come to Tampa, find out uh, you guys are much far, further along than us, which was even more exciting. I think what connected us was our love for economics, kingdom economics, uh, the spirit of the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Jesus kind of dwelling on earth. Mm -hmm. And um, we had already, by the time you and I met, we already had about three businesses running in Birmingham. Um, I remember over, this, yep. Yeah, over the next seven or eight years, we launched probably 15 to 20 more locally and translocally. And we were, we were trying to figure things out along the way. My wife is a brilliant accountant with a MBA who has never really made any money with either of those degrees, but she's helped start so many businesses all over the world, kind of in this nonprofit holding company model that's continued to evolve over the years. And you and I just started uh, hashing it out. I think it was around 2014 about how can we do this well and better. And then you launched the bit. I think your first business was a lawn company. Mm -hmm. And then you moved into a bike shop um, and just kind of continued from there. So, which ultimately is what connected me to this fella here. Um, I'll let him take it from there. But uh, after 16 years in Birmingham, um, we uh, decided to try our hands at something fresh. We have been working with Hugh and a team here for a couple of years. And we re relocated here to begin to form what is uh, known as Brave Cities, which is kind of a, more of a technology, more of a, um, a software to implement into the, uh, the hardware around the world, which are uh, incarnational communities that are functioning in, in cities. So, wow, I like yeah. the way that sounds. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've been here uh, Alton, Illinois for about six years. Our family moved here, mostly following my son and his uh, physical disabilities. So uh, our whole family, my two adult daughters and their brand new husbands all moved out here. We, uh, we actually didn't know what we'd be doing. Um, we had planted churches essentially our whole life. So, you know, I think uh, I always thought something would emerge. You know, we, we were always fairly untraditional, but this whole thing uh, really kind of took me by surprise. Um, we were given a building here in Alton and interestingly connected to Tampa. Um, I was in Tampa meeting with Brian at uh, the underground when uh, this building was essentially given to us. So Tampa ended up being the back office while we tried to figure out what we were going to do here. So, so you, you underground folks just connect us all somehow. Yep. You're, well, you're that, was, that was the point, I right? I, I think Brian was figuring out a way to get the building for me. It's like, Hey, we'll like, We'll take it. We'll keep it at my house. But a year later, they gave it back to us, and then we started to build out this ecosystem here. And that's when I connected with Taylor uh, just to help us. His team uh, kind of coached us into the coffee 
Yeah. And then it became coaching into what we were doing. So um, I, st- I feel like I'm the rookie here, kind of the old guy, but uh, Taylor Lindsay and quite a few people uh, that have been doing ecosystem building around the country been inspirations to me. So uh, we're about six years in, about four years into all the business network here and uh, fortunate to have the McCall's living up here with us right now. So uh, no, this is really good. And as we kind of like, this is, re- I mean, I, hopefully this is good for those listening, but for me, this is great. Just like stirring up like, Oh yeah, that's right. All these connections. And even yeah. as, as you were saying, like when you came down to Tampa, um, Taylor saying like, Oh, you guys were like a little further ahead. But I remember, I actually remember hearing that you guys were doing these businesses. And I remember, I actually remember that conversation now and thinking immediately thinking, well, that's way better. That's so obviously way better. Like we, everything we do is got this like social work model and everyone here is poor and we need to raise money. And not that those businesses were making anyone rich, but they created economy. They created like jobs and revenue and um, created like a more sustainable model, which then, like you said, we, we were like, well, let's try that. And it was also out of like inspired by you guys going, man, we need to like pivot a little bit. And we, we had gone through, we were running like a daytime drop-in center at the time, which was going right. to be run out of the neighborhood because you know it was gentrifying and nobody wanted all these poor people around and so we were realizing like okay we have to make some changes anyway and um and yeah we had started with the lawn crew and then of course with florida like that was very clearly not a game that we were going to win there were like nin- like lawn ninjas out there across the street like <laughs> dumping out of trucks and going up palm trees and i was like i got these three old guys that you know, we're drunk last night. And then next, the next day, one of them's in jail. Cause he got arrested. Cause he was sleeping on the alley, you know, whatever. It was like, not going to work well, but um, it's funny, but like the, the, as we went through these, we used a lot of language of like ecosystem city within a city. Um, and, and of course, even just saying like, we're this team, this idea, this uh, brave cities, let's say software or technology, um, why don't you guys, I know this is something you've been doing a lot of thinking about and like, I actually think these gray page conversations are going to be kind of, you know, we're going to touch base regularly and say like, let's, let's reflect on these pieces of that puzzle, but like maybe just at, at, at an introductory level, like, what are we talking about? What are we working on? What are we doing at like, what's, can you kind of, maybe you guys like muse a little bit and paint that picture. Yeah, why gray, why gray pages? Yeah. That, yeah. Let's we'll start page. there. That's good. Uh, because, uh, at least in my experience, people that were building out these things, right? Well, we call them things because we're not exactly sure, you know, now we're going to put language that we'll call them kingdom ecosystems. We'll eventually maybe call them brave cities. But generally, when you, when you get apostolic ideas, at least for me, I just found that you don't know how or what it's going to end up being two years, three years, four years yeah. down the road. So, um then nothing is sort of is like a plug and play method. Whatever works in Alton may or may not work in Tampa or Birmingham or Portland or wherever. So uh, nothing's black and white. So we, we want to provide gray pages, which are very specific contextual learnings from all the different brave cities around, hopefully the world where you could, uh, where you might be inspired by what's happening in Alton, but you might not, it may not look like what, God's kind of leading YouTube. So we're hoping to provide really a, a big catalog of stories and learnings from all sorts of folks. So that's why. Yeah. Great pages. And the, the, one of the central efforts of the book we're writing right now is 
is really simply to expand the imagination of things that Jesus said. Um, you know, John, John, you and I have talked about this a lot. Like when Jesus said something, he, a lot of times he was saying a hundred things. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those of us that, that kind of believe in progressive learning or uh, will understand him deeper our whole life, and, uh, it moves us away from things like certainty and obviously things like judgmentalism, like uh, you're doing this wrong or you should do it this way. And um, I think the gray pages too is, are to uh, go even deeper into that Im imaginative spirit. Like, what did he mean here? Or what are we trying in this context? And how can it apply to your context? And here are some principles. Like, the cool thing about principles is they are transferable. But uh, like, for instance, building a kingdom city within a city is transferable to any context, any culture, any country, any city. Um, we've been living in an ecosystem since the beginning. We will finish in an ecosystem when everything wraps up and in this kind of purgatorial time of existence we're building ecosystems that are better than the ones that we live in so now let's experiment let's uh break down ideas and talk through what we meant by this and how this applies and so hopefully that makes sense like the the gray pages are just a deeper journey into the the topics you know one of the one of the things i really like about that kind of framing to i mean it, it's one it seems healthy right it's just like allows for some gradient and con contextualization but like i've always thought about um it's always i'd say bothered me that um there's like a prescriptive nature to a lot of what comes off as like discipleship like i could prescribe you can, and, and i guess the conviction here is like you can't prescribe the let's say Christian life, um, at least in my in my estimation of it. But but like you said, we want to put a collection of stories that there are these principles that are there because you can describe it, like you can see it and go. Yep. Let me tell you what I saw. Um, and you know, it's I always think of like the mystics where they're like, God, the presence of God is ineffable; it cannot be put into words. And then they just so write let's give it a book shot after book after book after book yeah. after book putting out words about the thing that cannot be said right and there is a similar thing here it's like we want to transfer these kingdom principles these learned wisdom and lessons and yet also not to say you need to do it this way or that way but try to communicate maybe the dna well, even that. like the the book of acts technically we always try to make that prescriptive right Church that's is right trying to figure out how to do acts two and what they <laughs> ate day by day and yeah, you know, share all their stuff and blah blah blah. But it it was literally they were describing how they were trying to figure it out. So, um, like I even right before this, I was meeting with Lindsay, and we're going over all sorts of financial. Like literally every day, I feel like we're having to figure out how to do what we're doing. So, mm -hmm. um, hopefully, though, people watching this will not be bored and go. Well, crap they're just going to talk for an hour about how they don't know anything but <laughs> there for sure are things though that are informative and you can sort of hang your hat on so i hope that we'll get at some of that stuff as well yeah yeah maybe maybe and i don't know we can go wherever you guys want but i feel like maybe if you wanted to give you know you guys have been writing and thinking so there's kind of like 
let's say like those things that you can hang your hat on. I feel like maybe if we were to like allude to or introduce some of those ideas, um, almost bulleting them out or kind of like musing around them a little bit, they might help us kind of lay out um, like conversations for down the road a little bit as well to say like, you know, over the next however many times we meet and talk through these things, we can maybe dial in on some of these, but we'll, we'll extract them after the conversation, but just kind of like running through some ideas. Um, maybe some of those things that you do feel like you can hang your hat on some things that you have, like go, we've walked away with something that we are trying to like find ways to articulate. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe, maybe tell some of the stories if that's helpful of a way to like illustrate some of those, some of those ideas. Yeah. Um, you, got, you have anything? Yeah, I wasn't sure okay. if it was done yet. Seems no, go ahead. I, yeah, because I, I can set it up if, you're, if that draws you a blank. But if you have something to start off, let's go. Well, I think, you know, over time, we'll tell our stories. Yep. And our stories, you know, illuminate so much of how we got to where we are. Um, also, our temperaments. Um, but the overarching idea that I hope we can just build on is what if, what if there is some real evidence and kind of inspiring um, unction to the, to the truth that Jesus called us to build a, a better, build the kingdom city here on earth now. And, you know, we can talk all about how, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. Uh, it's going to be a shadow. John, you and I talk about all the time how we're like blind men uh, giving yep. people directions into the fog. Um, but to move away from this pretty over or pretty uh, overarching concept that the church is formed as somewhat of a a space, a, a country club, uh, uh, a place that you go to, a brick and mortar, or even like a, a couple times a week gathering that it more begins to, we're wanting to see that shift, whether it's through church planting, whether it's through community building, whether it's through um, manifesting good works in your city, that it will begin to morph as this interconnected, interdistributed uh, network, if you will, of homes, businesses, social spaces that are working to expand themselves throughout a city where it becomes a city within your city. And here I think is one of the most provocative thoughts is that I don't, I'm, I'm proposing that we are not actually supposed to change our cities. That we have not been called to make Alton or Tampa. all of our time. <laughs> That we've not been called to make Alton or Tampa or Birmingham or whatever else better. But whether it sounds like semantics or not, we are building a new city in our city that as that city expands, the scripture says where the righteous prosper. This is kind of our foundational idea where the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. So a new city is being built throughout your city. Uh, a kingdom within Babylon, uh, a heaven within empire is being built in that city and it's expanding and it's making your city better because it's a better city. But we're also 
And additionally, if the city's rejoicing, we don't just want them to line the streets and applaud us. We're hoping that they will transfer citizenship. They'll mm-hmm. go, not going to live in, in Babylon or Rome or live by the rules of Alton. I actually like the, I like these people. I like what they do. I'd like to find out why they do what they do. And then when they find out it's a Jesus story, they actually, uh, they get adopted into the new city, if you will. You know, I, um, I was the other day, I went down a little rabbit hole. I'm, you know, you guys know, I geek out sometimes on language and etymology and things like that. Right. And, um, and, this is familiar to you guys, but like humor me for a second. So you guys, well, uh, let's do it. You tell me. So what's the word that we translate church in the new Testament? Ecclesia. Yeah. So what, what is that? What does it mean? Well, I mean, uh, I guess it's the people that meet on Sunday to hear a sermon. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, like, so what does it mean now? Well, no, so well, we, no this what, is, so this is, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do we hope it means? What are we longing for it to mean again? Well, what, so what, what did it mean? So like, so this is, this is the interesting thing is like, it's a question of translation, right? So I'm like, well, this is an interesting word that we've chosen. We've, we've applied this word church, which I'm like, that's interesting. I don't know where that comes from. I think it comes from an old version of the word circle. Uh, that's what, whatever. It's very interesting, but the it actual, existed before the scriptures. Correct. So that's the thing is, so this word ecclesia, um, and like, technically it's like called, called, called out ones or something like that. But like, I went down this rabbit hole of, uh, looking at Athens. So this is the Greek language. And I went and I looked at like ancient Athens and there's a couple things that really fascinated me as I was reflecting on this. Let me just riff on this. Cause I think, I do think it's related, but when you said transfer citizenship, it's what kind of came into my mind as you're talking about this city within a city. So in Athens, um, which is one of the oldest, if it's not the earliest democracy, it's like the one that is on record. So it's the one we have written out and accessible it's the earliest that we we really know of and there was this um so they had this this democratic society and what they did was they they usually would have about 500 people that were like not exactly elected it's more like they draw straws or cast lots randomly out of the population they'd pick about 500 people i think it was called the boule and they would say hey this group of people meets every day to do business about the city like there's some, something needs to be heard. So like in that story in acts, like when Paul is taken, when he's in Athens and they take him to the, what's it called? The Areopagus or whatever. Yeah. That's who's there. It's the, it's the boule. Like he's going to be heard. So, you know, cause he's getting both open mic hearing as well as it's like a little bit of a trial. Like we're going to hear you out, but we're going to make decisions. So whether like, I thought you stole, this is who you'd go to and they're there yeah, every day. Right. But yeah. what they existed to do was serve the group called the Ecclesia and, and the Ecclesia was and now in, in that democracy, it was every male over the age of 20 in Athens was a voter and they met every 10 days. And so the Ecclesia or the, the boule that met every day, like the little like subcommittee would say, Hey, we did a bunch of stuff this week. We need to report it to the whole, to everybody, to the Ecclesia, to the citizens of Athens 
who spend their time in what was called the Agora, which was the town square. So they were like doing business and working and they spent their time in the Agora. By the way, that's where we get the, the term like agoraphobia, which I got a kick out of. Like it's actually the mark. It's actually translated in that Acts uh, 17 uh, passage or wherever that is that Paul's there. Agora is the word where he's like, he goes and talks in the marketplace. Interestingly, uh, anyway, like I, I just kind of laugh. Like I think the church might've become a little agoraphobic, like not, kind of in the, in the Agora, but the Ecclesia was those that spent all of their time. They couldn't meet every day. They have business in the Agora in this in doing work, building economy, selling goods, loving their neighbors, but then we're called together. Everybody as a committee, the called out ones called out of your day to day into a space every 10 days where the boule would come in and say, okay, listen, there's some decisions that need to be made that actually need to be made by everybody because yeah. it wasn't a top-down command type structure. It was actually a structure within which there was citizen engagement and participatory Ooh. democracy. And that actually is a really interesting thing to like read about, to learn about and go, man, isn't it fascinating? Like when we talk about building economy and, and citizens engaged citizenship and participatory engagement and democracy, like we're actually the word that that the early church and actually Jesus used three times in Matthew said, I'll build my, my citizenship, my ecclesia, I will build on the, on the back of this rock, which by the way, they met on a rock. This dude, actually, Peter. pretty good stuff right here. This is good. <laughs> Bro. So you're blowing my mind. You're saying that ecclesia is not the people that show up to hear a sermon. No, dude, it's not, song, it's not just Bro. coming right, to so it. It's not just sing-alongs on let Sundays. Me, let me, let me jump in. <laughs> Let me jump in and tie this together. All right. So I was uh, I was at a um, kind of a think tank uh, workshop this past week in Houston, and uh, one of our topics was what are the what are the three tools we need to build healthy disciples? All right. So that's not that important. I want to talk about the tools because I think. I had a great answer, but we'll see. Let's see how it ties into this etymology of ecclesia. Uh, people were saying different tools, you know, like Bibles and uh, guitars, things like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> my, so it's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, ukuleles. My tools were uh, a hammer, a table, and a grandmother. Now, obviously, a grandmother uh, is more That's than a tool, so but just just hear me out. So the reason those three things came to my mind was, was uh, this. And I want you to jump in as I'm saying this, John, because I want these two ideas yeah. to tie together. For most of my life in, in kingdom life and Jesus life, I've been taught that we make disciples in the ecclesia. Now, Granted, my argument was these are the three tools we need as a whole to make disciples. But the way that I framed it was we make disciples with the hammer. Um, we're working. We invite others into the work with us. The building of the city. Yeah, that's right. The building of the better city, we're training others, we're raising up others in how to build the city. The table or food, the second tool, is where we come together and we remember. Jesus said, as often as you come together, remember me. 
And I think what he's saying is, remember what I said, remember what I taught you, remember the life that I lived. So we're coming together at the table, which is sort of like the ecclesia, right? And what you're saying, and, and, and then kind of critique this and break it down. But we come together at the table, not to make disciples per se. Yes, it is another layer of forming that maturity in the citizenship. But the table is really for just remembrance. And it's for enjoyment. It's for uh, food and drink, laughter, levity, uh, emotion, romance, all of those things. And then I said grandmother because I believe spiritual grandparents are really what holds these communities together. They're what, uh, when, the, when, the, when the crap hits the fan, they're the ones that step in and say, look, we've been through this. This is how we're going to walk it. They let us be wild. They let us take risks. But they're the ones that kind of hold us up when we're making terrible decisions. So think of those three tools, hammer, table, grandmother, and tie that into what you're saying. Because I think it's, I'll end with this, I think it's really valuable that we start to pull away from this idea that we're making disciples in the ecclesia. The ecclesia is more for the remembering of what we're doing, the, the kind of talking about how did this go? How's your, uh, you know, how's your, your new project or what's Jesus doing here anyways? Or you jump in, but I feel like that's tying in with everything that you're saying. You know, it's funny, like I, my, my response, I feel like is a little more um, experiential. And so, you know, just in the, in the work, I would say like the, it's funny. So like, as you're talking about, like, we think we meet at a table and talk through these, these things, like the table is like, you know, I always think of like, oh, come to this discipleship meeting. We're gonna sit at a table and go through this, like study right. guide together or whatever. No, that's what uh, and, I'm saying. And, and, and like that, you know, how many of those I sat through, um, how many times I've gone through that. And, and, but like, rather than, and for me, relationally and dis in discipleship, in terms of like shaping what is aimed at in those meetings, ethos, like, like passing on of ethos or something is when I hear the hammer, I think a couple things, one is, um, like just shoulder to shoulder work. Like my, my relation relationships and bonds are actually built relationally and values are passed on by, by going somewhere shoulder to shoulder, looking at the same goal, the, you know, the same direction, going the same way as a, on the same journey, as opposed to looking face to face. And then what's interesting is like you said, well, the table then is a place for remembrance and enjoyment where like face to face is celebratory. Like at the end of a long day's work, when we grab a beer together, when we laugh together, when we remember together, uh, we, we, um, we come together and kind of celebrate. And, and then I just love that you threw in grandmother and I, and I wish, I really wish I had more of that in my life, but have grown over Man. the years more and more, the more and more, the value of those that have gone ahead, the wisdom of those that have gone before and their stories and their, you know, how much we've, we've lost by not hearing kind of that collective, uh, that collective wisdom. So it, it one, it deeply resonates. And then I wish I knew the book better, but immediately I also remembered that um, Nietzsche's book, Twilight of the Idols is also called How to Philosophize with a Hammer, which I just thought, I wish I could read it real quick because I'm sure that might be related to um, in terms of like, it's a, it's a way of judging the idols that have possessed us culturally over time and 
perhaps which maybe even some of our constructs are just that, that they have captivated us away from having the imagination that you were talking about before. And, you know, I don't know it, 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 one of the things that I think is cool about swinging a hammer and building is, is that we are embodying creation and creating, and it does take uh, imagination to breathe new things into being. Um, go ahead, Hugh, jump in and, and riff on this. Cause I don't know how much more I had on the, on those, on those tools. Yeah, bro. I was going to bring up the Nietzsche thing too, but you really? get it. So yeah. <laughs> That was top of mind. I don't know where your brain? I can't. I can't hang with you, youngsters. That's good. We needed a grandmother, oh, so we're glad you're it. here. I, bro, that was, honestly, that was some of the best. Because um, the biggest question we always get is like, "Well, what is church and all this thing?" You might have just straightened it out. <laughs> like literally, I think. I mean, whatever we're gonna entitle this one, I think it's the Agora and the Ecclesia, mm. and. Uh, let people uh, respond to that. Yeah, because one of the things that we've really tried to flesh out is the church isn't the city. The kingdom is the city. That's right. The church is not the kingdom. The church is the citizenship. You know, it's interesting because Jesus, I'm, I'm fairly sure maybe uh, someone can correct us in the in the comments after, but I don't think Jesus ever said anything about good news of himself. Uh, every recollection I have of him mentioning good news, this, this evangelism, this telling of something that's great, that's, that's, uh, that, that's um, life-changing news, it was of a kingdom. News of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. He clearly is the king of the kingdom. Uh, the church, then, the, okay, so who are we? Like, what are we doing? We're building this kingdom here on earth. And I think when he said, here's a kind of a way to expand the imagination of something he said. When he said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I taught you. I would say, what if he was just saying, go and build cities? You know, something really fascinating to me. Um, well, one, I, you know, he, he said, teach us to pray. And he said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done here. Like in my city, as it is in heaven here in this neighborhood, in this house, as it is in heaven, in this, in this cosmos, as it is in heaven. And, and then, and then the, the implication is right. That we would, we would embody that reality um, here and now. And I do often conceptualize our work as like a dress rehearsal, right. Of the, the world that we dream of. We're going to set a table like we're in the kingdom right here in the middle of our city. Like we're going to make it look and smell like that in as much as it is within our ability to remember the King and rehearse the presence of the kingdom and, and do that kind of in our business, in our homes, in our streets and whatever. And I always remember, you know, back at the early days, we referenced the underground network network a few times like the early days of before that was even launched the community that that really launched out of um was we did this like just time of prayer for the city um and i'll never forget uh one this was like a unique experience for me but they they just set aside i think it was 40 days and we said we're gonna pray day and night like as a community so people signed up right and it was like 
we're going to just pray for our city. Well, a lot of times there'd be a couple, there'd be at least two people in there at every time slot for 40 days. Um, but a lot of times a bunch of people would show up. There were certain times it just worked for the community and like everybody would be in there. Well, I would pop in here and there as I had time and it was a cool, it's kind of a really cool experience. Honestly, in many ways taught me how to pray. Um, but I, I would go there and I'll never forget because people would kind of pray out a lot, especially when there are others in the room. And I remember hearing some women that would just constantly cry and pray out and cry out about, you know, Tampa has a really big kind of mark of the sex industry here with strip clubs, prostitution, sex trafficking. It's, it's really a big deal here. And they would just cry out about the sex industry. And then like for me and a few others, it was really like homelessness that seemed to emerge a lot. Like we, there was a lot of prayer around poverty and economics mm. and, and the destitute in the city. Um, and then there was these other people that like really just seemed to always come back to like foster kids and orphans and, and like had a real care for like broken families, especially the children. And that's enough. I could go on and on, but I remember observing. And then I have the benefit of being here 20 years later or whatever, however, whatever that timeline is and saying, you know, what's interesting is the people that prayed about the sex industry started uh, what what now in our city we have this uh, this uh, this ministry called Created that works in the strip clubs and works in the courts and has a safe house and all of these amazing things that they're doing and and the origin of that even that many of them are their work there were were those prayers in that room and what was crazy to me it wasn't the 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 the, the answer to me in the end it's like. And, and me with the well and, you know, whatever we're doing, it's like the way it related. It's not that it's, it's not so much like you prayed for this and God swooped in and answered your prayer, but actually like through you, you like inspired you to answer your own damn prayer, like to go out and be the, the thing that built it, that made it, that constructed the world that you cried out for. And that like, just fascinates me in hindsight. Like it wasn't like a plan. It just is the way that it worked, which now like, to me, seems like, like the kind of thing to point to and say, like, I think that's actually how it works. Um, is we actually have to do the work. Like we couldn't have stayed in that prayer closet Mm -mm. and prayed for that in perpetuity and seen the things that were done. You had to come out and build you had to come out and pick up a hammer yeah what's kept me uh what's kept me consistent in prayer through the years which is extremely hard for someone with my temperament in any kind of uh solitude or vertical uh prayer posture is this idea that i don't even remember who said it it's probably you know like uh mcshane or somebody like that that's been dead for for centuries but that our hearts are are off axis all the time and prayer is essentially just the aligning of our hearts with the heart of jesus and then once our hearts are aligned we go back into the work and so like those prayers that came out of that time from you guys it's like they were already there they were in the room Mm-hmm. You just had to pray in order for your hearts to line up with them. And then you go and you, you get to work. And so I think that's, you know, one, another example of what the table is for mm. is this coming together to remember, to petition, to line hearts up. But it's not, it's become such a centralized idea of church. 
And that's what we're trying to combat or maybe, uh, maybe experiment outside of, not in a, not in a, you know, what, like not in a, this is wrong idea, but in that here's one of the tables but we have to we have to imagine that it could be bigger than this that the hammer is actually just as important as the table and the grandmother is just as important as the hammer and we could obviously add other tools they said what are your top three tools mm -hmm. and um I, I, i'll this is the last thing i'll say about this is um i've shared this story quite a few times but uh leslie newbegin was this missionary that came back to the US and he had a lot of prophetic things to say. And uh, he was trying to, to kind of get the church outside of the, the walls of the building and of kind of the Constantinian model. And he was accused of uh, trying to tear down the clergy. And he said, no brothers, you've missed it. My, the aim of my, uh, of my efforts is to tear down the laity meaning we're all clergy, the priesthood of all believers. In the same way, I think we've been accused of trying to tear down the sacred, when in fact, yeah. our efforts is to tear down the secular. Right. So catch this, we're not gonna call this like a God thing, but this morning driving off to do a paint job, I was listening to some scripture, um, starting the book of Acts, and uh, I stopped on it because it just it hit me. It's, uh, it's where it says something like, you know, this is after Jesus was tempted for 40 days. So I, was, I thought of this because of your 40-day thing. So mm. Jesus in the desert being tempted for 40. Then it says, um, wait, maybe I'm convoluting that. But he's doing something for 40 days. But he shows up. This, oh, is, right. this is the resurrection. Help me out. Make sure this is right. Okay. Um, go to like John. See if we can pull up Acts. But he's doing something. Then he shows up. Says to the disciples. It says for forty days he showed them convincing proofs and taught them about the kingdom. Yeah, that's that's not the wilderness. Okay, right. so yeah. he, the wilderness. No, this is different. He appeared to them for forty. Yeah. He a period of forty days and spoke okay. to them about yeah. the kingdom of the kingdom of God. Okay. Then he tells them, "Hey, chill out. Wait for the Holy Spirit." And then we have that whole thing. Okay? Yep. When I grew up in the church, it was always, hey, you got to come to the, the prayer meeting. You know, like the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And we always said that the Holy Spirit was what turned these normal dudes into like these crazed wild men, right? And I, I just was thinking, I don't, the Holy Spirit's been there since the creation of the world. You know, David, after he messes up, is going, hey, create a, uh, a give me a spirit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it says, take not the Holy Spirit from me. So the Holy Spirit was not like this pixie dust that came over the New Testament Christians that finally made them do amazing things. I actually think what set the church off was that they got to be with Jesus for 40 days mm -hmm. and just see these, be fully convinced that he was still alive, that he was God. And mm -hmm. I mean, can you imagine like 40 days with your mates and all he does is tell you about the kingdom how it's going to roll out and what I need you guys to be doing. I think that, you know, Holy Spirit obviously was something that he was going to do upon people. I don't think, I don't think that was the power per se. I think it literally was the 40 days with mm -hmm. him. And then they, they finally got it. Like, mm -hmm. 
three years he's teach, teaching about the kingdom, but they don't quite get it until yeah. all of a sudden they recognize the resurrection power now. Mm. But I have a feeling for 40 days, we're not just doing Bible studies. He's probably telling them, like, guys, these are the things that y'all need to be about when this thing starts to, to roll out. Yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool thought because the overwhelming majority of what we see in his ministry is him saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he's telling stories. He's giving subversive acts, you know, like uh, turn your cheek or give your tunic as well. He's, he's given these strange analogies like mustard seeds and cities on a hill and uh, pearls and uh, widows and and then in, in somewhere in, in, that, in that teaching, I think it's around uh, the middle of Matthew, he says to them, I'm going to give you the secrets of the kingdom. Right? Y'all remember this? Yeah. And then, you know, what if, what if these 40 days was, was him saying, okay, all that we've gone through, I'm going to show you, you know, this is what I, this is how I'm sending you out in power. And I do, you know, I love the reference to the Holy Spirit because I don't think we can do it. Uh, I think it's actually silly and, and counterproductive when we try to work on our own, but more so, again, bringing everything back to this centralized thought of we're citizens with hammers building cities of refuge all over the world, shadows of the kingdom to come. In essence, kingdom on earth now, as it will be in the eternal earth, the holy city, New Jerusalem. We're those, we're those builders, skilled master builders, I think is one word that's used. And then others can come and see the city, taste it, feel it, understand it be welcomed into it but it's it's fully inclusive right like there is no you're in and you're out but there is there is a level of citizenship that is that jesus says in order to be a citizen here to live here for from this point moving forward you got to follow me Mm -hmm. you follow me into the city and then you follow me into city building And then I just think of all of these Old Testament prophetic passages, like you will be called restorer of streets with dwellers. Like there's so many of the promises are just so explicitly rebuilding ruins, re-putting back in place the structures in the, like building cities. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to, the 40 day thing. So it was interesting. So you said, oh, I thought of this because the 40 days of prayer. And then you had the 40 days with Jesus. And then I, and you, as you kind of confused it, like with the 40 days in the wilderness and you're like, Oh, was it this? Oh, it was this. Um, what, what jumped out is the, 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 so interestingly, um, you know, that 40 days in the wilderness is like at the beginning of Jesus ministry, right? He, it says the spirit led him to the devil, which is an interesting place for the spirit of God to lead you to go be be in the wilderness and be tempted by the devil. That's where the spirit leads him. And then, but then, He's there for 40 days and then he comes back. This is kind of the launch of his kind of ministry. And it's, it's, you know, when we celebrate, so when we celebrate and remember 
uh, in like liturgical calendar, we, the resurrection, which is what you're referring to the 40 days, we spend 40 days, what fasting, what we call Lent, right? Some of us do. Some people do that. We'll fast during that time for Lent. And that's a remembrance of this 40 days in the wilderness. Interestingly enough, um, you know, we're on the, on the back end of this, uh, hopefully on the back end of this crazy couple of years with COVID and all this madness. And I learned something, you know, I told you I was geeking, I geek out on etymology. So we all went into what quarantine. Well, you know what quarantine means? Like look up the language. Like it means 40 days. It, it actually is like quarantine is a reference that the, like the phrase to it's to isolate for it's for 40 days. It's a reference to that story in scripture of Jesus wrestling with the desert in the wilderness. That's, that's what that is. And as we were talking about, like the, 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 the gathering of people on Sundays and the, and the, and the singing of songs and like that being what the church is, I just thought, you know, what's interesting. And I was like wondering, like, you know, talk to me about observations that maybe you have from the last few years with the church and like like i know i know i've heard hugh kind of riff on this a little bit like there's quite a bit we saw happen i mean churches have had a hard time with this um with these with these let's say more well more than 40 days but with this time of quarantine and not gathering and what has that meant for our ability to to be the thing that we felt like we were called to be and i wonder if maybe a reflection on that experience isn't somehow illustrative of the things that we're trying to cast vision for. Yeah, that's like a, that's a second grade observation. Why, why the church has struggled during COVID or quarantine. It's because it, it never learned how to actually go out and do any, anything other than gather. Mm. Uh, those that already know how to build, they just keep building, right? Uh, COVID didn't slow down any of the little kingdom cockroaches that already knew how to exist in yeah. that busted a lot up of, a lot of them got called essential even yeah totally. <laughs> city wouldn't and, work if they weren't doing it no but but yeah if you go grow up your whole life and you just go to the ecclesia uh to sing three and that is not the ecclesia take, i'm not i'm not i'm not permitting it to be called that. <laughs> but i mean the sing along club learned, <laughs> like I, I love what you said i literally taking notes i feel like if if we have not learned if we did not get discipled from the age of four that the called out people of God are the workers, the ones that swing the hammers, mm. uh, especially during hard times. Like that's where we learn how to swing the best. Mm. It makes perfect sense that the church does not know what to do right now. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think uh, this is not only where the puck was sliding 2000 years ago, but it's where the puck is sliding now. And if we don't get at the hammer, uh, we're just trying to figure out how to just rewind the Sunday service thing for people. And we, I, I don't know, it's a, it's a million miles off the mark that you just described. So. Well, it could have been a real gift, right? To shake us out of the hypnotic addiction, the hypnosis or the addiction that we had to these, to these, to these constructs. Um, and to say like, all right, we have to learn, we have to find a new way of being. And it lasted long enough for us to have to find a new way of being and engaging. It could have been a, a real gift. And yet, I mean, as far as I could tell, we're seeing um, we returning. The people can't wait to get back to the way things were, you know, as fast as possible to get to pick up on business as usual. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's nothing harmful about getting together and doing some of those things, right? Unless that is at the expense of everything else that could be taking place. So like being a, cause honestly, if we swing hammers all week and, and, and laugh and around tables and invite neighbors over all week, and then like, we have some stuff to celebrate at the end of the week and every 10 days or so we want to meet and go, we want to hear from everybody and we want to vote on some things. And we want to like maybe sing some songs. It's like, how, how cool would that be? That's like, that's cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe closing thought for the day is um, a long time ago, all three of us decided we we're not interested in uh, being known for what we're not for. That's right. Um, you know, you know, the old adage, uh, stop pointing out problems if you don't have solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, we just believe that there's an evolution of ecclesia happening, uh, another reformation, and we want to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, we, I said this this past week, following Jesus is a lot like a dance and uh, it's, it's not, it's not a stationary experience where you, you set your feet somewhere and you do these five things and you always kind of got to move with the music as he moves. And I, I think the beautiful thing about this idea that he gave us and really that was, was, ex, you know, from the very beginning was without letting him lead and without moving at his tempo, we, we get off, we get off beat. So we have to stay in tune with him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build a better city. Uh, we're doing it like blind guides in the fog. Uh, chances are when we're finished, it's going to be, uh, a funny looking city, but we're mm -hmm. hoping those who come after us build it a little better. And it's so much fun. That's the, that's the last thing I'll say is, and I mean that man, like we, yeah. we stress over money and, and, you know, uh, resources and we're trying to do all kinds of things here in Alton and around the country right now that requires way more than what we have. Uh, but none of it, what is the, the thing Paul says? I urge you to, to lead, live a peaceful and quiet life. Work with your hands so that you won't depend on anyone. That feeling, man, like the reason you got to keep the gathering together, one of the primary reasons is because we're so dependent on them. Uh, we need the money. We need the people. We need the, the, the tithes and offerings. And, and we're, we're, caught, we're inviting people out of that. We're saying, hey, there is another way. Mm -hmm. um, and here are some ideas that we're experimenting with and how to do it. Uh, so let's give it a shot. 